You are listening to Redefining Disability, an adaptive sports podcast brought to you by Move United. I am your host, Sean Butcher, and I have the privilege of serving as the editor of Move United Magazine, the nation's leading adaptive sports publication. Each week, tune in to hear how sports have made it possible for our nation's adaptive athletes, training tips from the best coaches and program leaders, and news on the latest technology, equipment, and trends in the industry. Justin Funksavon made his international debut for the United States at the 2019 Parapan Am American Games, where he won a gold medal in javelin. He then represented the U.S. at the 2020 Summer Paralympics, winning a bronze medal. And in June 2021, during the U.S. Paralympic team trials for track and field, Justin set the javelin throw world record with a distance of 33.29 meters and is now aiming for gold in Paris 2024. Let's chat with him. So, Justin, uh, I knew you grew up in, in Iowa, and I'd love to just talk a little bit about how uh, growing up in Iowa was, was, you know, what what that meant for you. Growing up in Iowa was incredible. It was that equal balance of city life, farm life, got a little bit of country, we got gravel roads, um, and just agriculture for as long as the eyes can see. So it was a good mix of everything between the concrete jungle and the agriculture, and I loved every minute of it. I was known for some beautiful outdoor recreational opportunities of all four seasons, I believe, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Fall became my favorite season because of the changing of the seasons. And uh, were you active in sports growing up? Yeah, I grew up doing sports since second grade. I did start off with wrestling, then I got into football, and then my eighth grade year, I got into track, and then my sophomore year, I got into rugby. Okay. I don't. I haven't interviewed too many folks that, that have played rugby, so <laughs> that, that, that's awesome. And what would you consider your kind of either your favorite sport or your best sport? Best sport was probably track and field, and my favorite sport was probably football. Okay. Yeah, I was a big football player too growing up. So, um, and when when you did track and field, did you do both sides, track and field, or or were you throwing uh, th- doing throwing events uh, then as well? Yeah, I in the beginning, uh, my eighth grade year before we started high school varsity sports, I did everything. I did the 100, 200, shot put, discus. But I found early success in my eighth grade year making the varsity team in shot put and discus. So going into my freshman year, I knocked back down to the 100 and shot put and discus. And I kept that up until my junior year where I dropped track and focused solely on field. Okay. Yeah. And for those that may not know your story, uh, obviously, uh, you had uh, a, a, an incident, um, a tragedy that, that happened to you in, uh, in 2015. Can you, can you tell us about it? Yeah. In the year of 2015, it was October 25th. I was 18 years old and me and my friend went to McDonald's just to get some food. And when we were leaving the restaurant, an unknown person inside the restaurant followed us out. And when we were at our car, me and my friend just talking, the person came over with a gun and pistol at my friend. And then an altercation got out when I went to go protect my friend. And that's when the individual pointed his gun at me and shot me twice and shot my buddy once and resulting in me becoming a T2 paraplegic. And uh, so you didn't know the assailant i mean it was was it a robbery attempted robbery or just uh yeah it was 
it was just a wrong place, wrong time kind of thing. It was just the individual had a bad mental illness from the war and it was a mixture of just his night before alcohol on his part, lack of pills and just um, added emotions that just took a toll and he decided to take it out on me and my friend for no reason. And were you still, let's see, 18, obviously were you in school or were you, where, where were you in terms of your schooling? Yeah, I uh, I graduated in January, and okay. I was actually an apprentice electrician. Oh, okay. We'll have to talk a little bit about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that was the goal at a high school. I didn't. I was getting recruited to colleges for football and track and rugby, um, but it was just not something that I wanted to pursue at the next level. I just wanted to become a master electrician and just start my own business and carry on from there. So immediately out of high school, that was the first thing I did was first got a job in construction when I was 17. And then when I turned 18, immediately found a company that took me in as an apprentice. And did, did that, did that interest come from like family connections? I mean, I, I have family that are in the trades as well. And so, I mean, did that, did that come from there or did you just, how did you develop that interest? Yeah, my mom and my dad have both worked at um, Bridgestone Firestone at the factory in Des Moines for 30 plus years. My uncles have worked there. <laughs> all of my friends were in trades. We were all going into construction or the military. And that's just kind of like the way of life. What it was in the city that I grew up in in Iowa was you rather you go to a university like University of Iowa or Iowa State, or you go into the trades. There really is no in between. And I was more of a trade worker. And so that's where I wanted to go. Yeah, and I and I'm glad to glad to hear that because I know there's so much focus on college, uh, but there's a lot of opportunities in in trades as well and, and learning a trade. So so yeah. that's good to hear. Um, how did how did obviously the injury impact that? Yeah, so my career as an electrician ended. There there was no being able to go back and do it. I was I'm actually able to keep the skills that I learned as an electrician and apply it to small household projects that I have around my house. So that's fun, but the career of being an electrician ended. So that's when I decided to enroll in to community college and start my educational career. Okay. And uh, obviously going back to uh, the shooting a little bit, um, how long was your recovery process and um, where was sport in your mind at that point in time? Yeah. So the mentality and the lessons that I've learned throughout my career as an athlete, when I was in, when, you know, I was a kid, um, really instilled a lot of principles and morale behind my recovery when it came after the shooting. I took all of that and I applied it to my recovery. So every day when I was in occupational therapy or physical therapy, it was like I was going to practice, but the end result wasn't a football game or a track meet. It was the rest of my life. So I took every day, like it was a practice and I practiced every single day when PT was done. I still practiced because I knew the end result was a healthy, long life. So the recovery was actually very short for me. In about two weeks time after getting paralyzed, I was fully independent. I was able to do everything that I needed, but my house was not, my mom's house was not ready to be accessible. It was November, it's hard to pour a concrete ramp in the winter. Mm -hmm. And so I prolonged the recovery into February when my mom was finally able to finish the renovations on her house for me to move back and begin my educational career that summer. Hmm. And so, yeah, practice makes perfect, right? So you were practicing for the game of life during, during Absol recovery. <laughs> Absolutely. And it seems like it's a never ending battle. 
And um, were you, I know that in sometimes, you know, there are some hospitals that are better than others, I think, in terms of just introducing adaptive sport into your uh, rehabilitation process. Were you able to at least be introduced to adaptive sport in that time, or did that come a little later? So I was referenced to adaptive sports, not particularly Paralympic track and field, but adaptive sports in general. So it was first wheelchair basketball, adaptive archery. Um, different different activities just to get me active and get me out of the rehabilitation center and to get, you know, have some fun with some of the other residents. And so it wasn't until I got back to Iowa and I moved back home where I was bored. I was just sitting at home from February to May, nothing to do, no school because semester already started. So I was waiting until the summer session. And that's when I reached out to Adaptive Sports of Iowa and they introduced me to wheelchair basketball, but I wrestled for 10 years and wrestling and basketball go are the same season. So I never played basketball and I didn't really like it. I'm <laughs> not going to lie, but I still played it because it was good to get me out of the house and get me active. And that's when the director, Mike Boone, was able to introduce me to Paralympic track and field and the rules, the websites and provide me the equipment that I needed to first get started. Yeah, you know, I, I was I was a basketball player up until high school, and then my freshman year I switched to wrestling because I, I wasn't that good in basketball. <laughs> <laughs> and and so um, so you know it's okay. I mean, as you said, it was at least an opportunity to be active, uh, to to be with other uh, individuals, and you know uh, that are also recovering. And um, and so that's awesome that that uh, at least you were able to find uh, a couple sports to participate in, and and, um, and so. Uh, take us through your journey in terms of the introduction to uh, for them from the time that you got introduced to to pair track and field to you know obviously up up to uh, the Paralympics uh, last year I guess it was <laughs> uh, two years ago almost now at this point <laughs> yeah it was um, I don't want to say it was easy by any means it was it was very very daunting on the body mind and really just because it was so close to my transitional time from being able-bodied to being differently abled that I still had a lot to learn. I was still maturing into my new body and my new situation, all while going to community college and taking 20 plus credits a semester to catch mm -hmm. up because I had no college credits. So at the same time I was going to community college, I began training in my backyard. I learned the standards I needed to throw. I learned about competitions near me and things I needed to do. So now I had a goal of a distance. I had where to hit the distances and I knew where I wanted to go. And that was to be the best in the world. I want, I don't, I'm a competitor through and through. I've been competing my whole life. I don't want to lose. I want to be solidified in history. So I began competing um, at 19 years old. I believe I went to my first competition in Illinois at the Glassy Games Yep. And that's where I was submerged into an incredible community and met incredible people and a great organization that just took me underneath their wing. They showed me the ropes and the people that were there, the participants, the volunteers, the staff were all so welcoming and made me get addicted to the sport. I didn't want to leave. And I knew at that time when I went to my first Paralympic competition that this was going to be almost a lifelong thing for me. And throughout the years, so I started traveling all around the United States. I went to four or five states by myself, put my chair on my back, put my 
javelins in the car and I just drove to these five different states that were near me in Iowa. And it wasn't until 2018 where I was allowed to go to an international wheelchair and APT sports world championships in Ireland with a team that I went. And when I went, I hit a mark of a lifetime at that time. And I was able to achieve my national team A standard. And at that point, everything changed in my life. And I was able to um, apply to get residency in Chula Vista at the Olympic Training Center, live there from 2019 to 2021, train alongside and my coach, Erica Wheeler, who's a 96 Olympian in the Atlanta Games. She's a Stanford alumni, multiple, very decorated javelin um, athlete and coach. And she was my personal coach the whole time out there. And when I got out there, I was throwing 28 meters, which was my PR when I hit my national 18 standard to in 2021 at the Paralympic trials, I threw 33.29 meters, which uh, broke the world record. That's awesome. And uh, we've interviewed Erica. So yeah, she's uh, a fantastic athlete and, and coach. Uh, and, and so it's awesome to hear. Now, I noticed that you said you uh, lived in Chula Vista until 2021. So are you back home now or, or where are you, where do you call, where's your current residence? Where do you sleep yeah. at night? <laughs> I, uh, I'm, I moved down to the peach state. I moved down to Georgia. I packed up all my stuff in 2022 and I, Moved down to a state that I've never been to, to a city I've never seen, and where I ha- I knew no one. Moved down here all alone, bought a house um, with the sole purpose of I wanted land to be able to throw javelins in my backyard, and I want to be able to train all year round in a city where there could be more abundant sponsors and just a better quality of life than what I can get in Iowa because of the snow and the wheelchair combination. It was very hard to have a better quality of life than I could have where there is no snow. Yeah. I was going to ask what, what motivated you to make that move to an unknown place. So, it's, so that's it's the snow. It's all snow. It's yeah. All about, it's all about the snow. It's exactly. A, it's the <laughs> snow's fault. <laughs> Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it anymore. If the snow was never there in Iowa, I'd be there for the rest of my life. And so obviously through, through coaching, uh, with Erica and, um, and being at the, the training center, um, how, how, and where did you, uh, uh, determine that you were, you, your goal was to make, well, first the 2020 Paralympic games, and then obviously you're still actively pursuing uh competition. So when, when in your mind was that decision made? It was made that first competition that I went to in Illinois. I mean, at that point when I saw people that were fresh out of rehab competing, just like myself and first competition, and then you saw veterans that were two, three time Paralympians that were there that were helping without being asked to help because they saw that there was struggles and determination on people's face, but they were stuck in a rut, but too shy to ask. And it was at that moment that I knew that with my physical prowess, my mentality, my determination and motivation to be the best that I wanted to be the best. And when I met my coach, Erica, she instilled that confidence in me saying, you will be the best. You put your trust in me. You put your trust in yourself and you dedicate yourself to the sport. You will rise to the top. And I said, I got nothing else to lose. If I'm going to do something, I'm going to go all out. I'm going to go all in. And if I shoot for the stars, you know, land amongst the clouds. (laughs) <laughs> and and maybe some of our keen listeners will know or notice that in high school you did shot put and discus 
So uh, how was the transition to javelin uh, in, in terms of a para sport? Yeah. So the reason why I chose javelin beginning uh, was because it was an implement that I've never thrown. And and to be completely honest, I think it's the sexiest of all the events. It's it's an art. It's so beautiful. It flies so nice. It's this cool object. It's almost barbaric throwing it. Like it's it's almost neat. Like it's just it's just so cool. It's just primal. And I love javelin so much. It's a love hate relationship, honestly. But when I decided to go with javelin, it was the hardest struggle in the beginning because I didn't understand that I'm so strong, but I'm throwing this very light implement as hard as I can, but it's not going anywhere. Mm. And that was where Erica came in was like, you don't need to be strong to throw this. You need to be flexible and it's technique. And I said, well, there goes 20 years of my life in the gym doing it for nothing, apparently. And so then we started dialing it in and working out specifically towards javelin and one thing led to another and my body got shaped to what it needed to be to become a Paralympian. So was it the, the was the primal element just because it was basically a you're just throwing a spear? <laughs> you're just throwing a spear. It's just so cool. <laughs> and and how how different is it in terms of you know, I mean, I obviously like I know discus has a rotation and uh and then you know shot put has, you know, so how how different were there any let me let me re rephrase the question. Were there elements of your previous training, obviously just being in a high school athlete throwing that that transfers from from shot put and discus to javelin, or is it just like a start all over? Yeah, it's a it's a great question. So when you step foot into the professional world, and especially when you go from able body to differently abled it you have to abandon all those thoughts of what you think you know and you have to take on the knowledge of what you don't know and accept it you have to be coachable you have to be adaptable just like how all of us have to find different ways to make it work you have to adapt to the times and to what this space is and that is to be coachable because i didn't, I didn't know anything about it i, I went from standing and throwing to sitting and throwing. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a completely different aspect. And when I came out in my first time ever throwing a javelin, I think it went by 10 meters and I thought I was good. thought that was great. Little did I know that was horrible for what, for what my potential was going to be. And so when it came to javelin, it was just forget everything in the past, learn how to feel your body that has no feeling. Yeah. And obviously, um, you, you've got a bronze medalist, uh, in, in Tokyo. Um, I, how, how was that for you? I mean, I know, you know, some folks are thrilled they get, you know, uh, that they medal at all. And some folks are, you know, are, are disappointed. So I'd love to just from a personal perspective, how, how did you take that? Well, first and foremost, getting to the games was the goal. Getting a medal was a plus. The the whole goal was to go out there, represent my country on the highest stage that I possibly can, wear that flag on my chest and give honor to everyone that's paved the way for me and this country to be able to represent at the Paralympic Games. That was the goal. There was no other goal. Once that was achieved, new goals were set. That was to get a medal. I never set expectations higher than that are out of my control. I can't control the weather. 
I can't control my competitors. I can only control that I will do my best and I leave the rest into God's hands. That was what I did. I went out and I gave it every ounce of effort that I could. I gave it everything I could. And when I went out there, I threw a great throw. I threw probably the fifth furthest throw I've ever thrown in my life. But on that given day, that was not good enough. And that's all right. The other guys that I had PR'd by one or two meters. Mm. And that's what going to these kind of competitions brings. It's it's flop or succeed in the highest degree. Adrenaline is a crazy feeling. And when you and if you're able to channel that at the right time, it the sky's the limit. And it can go, it can go in any direction. But when I went out there, I was proud to get that medal because I was at the Paralympic Games in Tokyo, Japan after five years of training and getting paralyzed. And I graduated with my undergraduate degree while training. And I was in graduate school in Tokyo taking classes at the same time. And I know my mom was at home. All of the athletes that I've trained were proud. They can see that. Uh-huh moved across the country to Olympic training center owns a house. He has done everything. And now he's a Paralympic bronze medalist. That's what I was happy about. And we already alluded to obviously that you're still uh, actively pursuing, uh, competing at the highest level. What are your current goals? Current goals are, I want to be the best. I want to, I want, I want nothing more than that gold. I, uh, I want the gold. In the Pan American Games, the World Championships, and the Paralympic Games in one consecutive quad. Mm. I want the triple crown, all while being the world record holder. I want to be the most dominant, pronounced, seated javelin thrower in American history. I don't want there to be any debate. I want, if any athlete thinks, oh, I want to be a seated javelin thrower, I want them to, my name to come to their head and be like, I want to be like Justin Fox Vaughn. And then I will come out and I will coach them so they can break my world record because that's something that I want to see in my lifetime. And so what, uh, maybe talk a little bit about your training regimen now. Like what are the, some of the things that you are focused on that you're trying to improve upon? Yeah, this year has been a rut for me. Um, there's been a lot of uh, external factors that have been going on. Um, and so I just been kind of dialing it back instead of trying so hard I went back to, I'm an athlete, be athletic, do what you do best. And that's throw. Don't think about everything else. Just throw it, have fun, do what you do best. And that is just throw and be athletic. So I've been eating right. I've been focused on my diet. I focused on taking care of my life outside of sport and setting myself up for success, whether that's with my businesses and, or making friends, going out with my friends. Um, having fun, taking care of my house, and my property, just doing different things outside of sport. But then when it comes to sport, I'm still throwing three times a week. I'm in the gym twice a week and I'm swimming twice a week. Um, so everything's taken care of in the sport aspect. But first and foremost, I have to look at my life from the outside and setting up my success outside of sport. And I think you mentioned two or three different um important lessons for for any any athlete and that's one have fun right don't ever lose sight of that um but also that you know everyone does go through a rut and it's you know not everything is you know 
uh, icing and 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 cake and gra- gravy and you know cherries on top and all that good stuff and and uh, and then obviously that 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 sport life balance uh, as well so i think those are yes. three important lessons for all athletes absolutely it's i mean sports aren't forever like mm-hmm. there's going to be a time where you're 40 years old 50 years old or you want to or you have a baby or you want to start a family or you know things come up in life or an injury where, you know, sports are going to have to get postponed. And if you don't have a backup plan and or a foundation to sit on, then it's kind of like, what are you going to do now? You're behind the ball. And uh, luckily adaptive athletes are in a great opportunity nowadays that there's scholarships that are offered for adaptive athletes to go to college on pretty much a full ride and pursue an education and train just like able-bodied athletes can go to college and be student athletes. So can adaptive sports athletes and, or, you know, there's always job core and finding jobs straight out of high school. If that's something that an athlete would want to do. Mm-hmm. And this is live while we're out at the Hartford nationals. So what are you, uh, what are you doing this week? And then particularly what are you and Max planning, Max Roan planning to do? Yeah, Max and I are going to be are going to be hosting a clinic. We're hosting a clinic and helping out any athletes ambulatory or seated that might be in a rut just like I was and wants to get further or wants to refine their technique or just wants some pointers on what they're doing right and or what they're doing wrong. So they can come out and throw shot put, discus and javelin. We'll be out here for pretty much all day. And Max will be taking ambulatory, shot put, discus, javelin. And if anybody wants to stop by, say hi, take a picture. We'll be here all day. That's awesome. <laughs> and uh, are you competing this week? I am. I will be competing on Saturday in the morning sometime. Uh, I'm not sure what time quite yet, but it'll be Saturday in the morning. That's awesome. And what has sport meant to you? Like, what? How has it impacted your life? Sport has been the underlining success that I never knew was the biggest propeller of me being a well-rounded adult. There are so many lessons that I learned as an athlete growing up that I didn't realize until it was further in life. So those two-a-day practices that we used to have in the summer heat or getting up bright and early in the morning to go to practice. It was those kind of days that really solidified the determination, the hard work for a goal that could be losing. And it was the acceptance of losing that propelled me to want to win more. (laughs) And that's what sport means to me is it's the foundation of everything that I've come to be as an adult. And Justin, before we go, I have to ask you two non-sports questions. One, I understand you're fluent in a couple of different uh, languages. So uh, tell me a little bit about that. So that is a misconception. I don't know why that's on any of my bios. I believe they pulled it off my Facebook when I was 12 years old. And <laughs> I i mean, I took two years of Chinese in high school. Uh-huh. Um, and so I spoke it very choppy, barely any. And I'm currently trying to learn Spanish. And, okay. and so not fluent in anything. I'm horrible in Chinese now. And my Spanish is very, very bad. But, you know, I'm better at listening than I am talking. 
Well, if it's on the internet, it must be true. So I, that's what I, that's that's why I asked you this question. That question. <laughs> well, I found it on my Wikipedia page. But now, but now we got the truth. Well, and I totally understand. I took a semester of German in college and two uh, years of high school Spanish, and I'm right there with you in terms of understanding. Unless you use it, you lose it, right? Absolutely. So, and the other question I have is I uh, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your businesses and 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 what you studied because I understand it was in accounting. Correct. Yeah, I got two associate's degrees, one in financial administration, accounting, and just one in business administration. And then when I did my undergrad, I graduated cum laude with a, a undergrad in accounting. And then I just finished graduate school where I got a master's of accounting and I got an MBA in marketing. Um, and then my businesses are, I have a photo booth company um, where we just, you know, we go around to different venues and we drop off a photo booth and we Get, provide them services for that photo booth. And then we also, I also have a consulting company where we consult with power washing, different construction services. And then in the winter, um, I do a consulting company for a um, Christmas lights. And then mm -hmm. I get into some little things like between public speaking, uh, affiliate marketing, and just like social media presence. There are some of the aspects that I'm in. So sport can definitely contribute to entrepreneurial, you know, some of the entrepreneurial or some of the lessons that entrepreneurs need as well. Absolutely. It sets up so much for the future. And how, lastly, how can people just connect with you in, in terms of either websites or on social or whatever you prefer to share? Yeah, they can follow me on Instagram at Paralympic Thrower. Um, Facebook, it's my name. TikTok, it's Paralympic Thrower. Um, shoot me a DM, shoot, take a picture with me and post it and I'll be happy to repost it. And if you have any questions, just send me a DM and I'll reply as soon as I can. Well, thanks, Justin. Of course, Sean, no problem.